Hi, you're listening to WRBH Radio 88.3 FM. This is your host of New Orleans by Mouth, Chef Amy Sins. And on the line with us today, I have Miss Stephanie Harris Uedi, who is Hello. joining us. Hey, Stephanie, you're out in California right now? Yes, I am on the West Coast. Awesome. So for my listeners out there, I got to become new friends with Miss Stephanie while she was visiting in New Orleans and taking taping some episodes of her show. And I got to tag along and uh, see what was happening. And I got to be on film. It was super exciting, Stephanie. <laughs> yeah, you're great on film, by the way. You're great on camera. Well, I appreciate that. We had so much fun. And, sure you know, I kind of laughed when... When Octavio sent me the message and said, "Hey, we're gonna uh, we're gonna do something with these people that talk they're pescatarians," and I went, "Okay, well, that that's good because pescatarian is appropriate for New Orleans." I think if they had called me to be on a vegan show or um, <laughs> something like that, I might have had a little more difficulty in identifying things to do and what to eat because that's not my lifestyle. And though I'm not a pescatarian, I eat my share of seafood. And so I thought it would be interesting for our listeners to know, when we use that word pescatarian, what, is the, what does that mean in your opinion? Yeah, so my version of the pescatarian diet is plant-based. So it's a plant-based diet supplemented with seafood. Very simple. Some people like to refer to it as vegetarians who eat seafood. All right, so that... I can live with that. That sounds actually pretty delicious, especially if you live in South Louisiana or Southern California because you have access to great things. So do you find, what made you decide that this was the direction that you wanted to go with how you eat and approach food? Yeah, so it was all really up to Mother Nature. Um, About 15, 16 years ago, I started having trouble with my digestive system. And uh, I'll, I'll spare you all those details, but it really was giving me a, a, a run for my money. So I've always been into holistic medicine and alternative medicine, so I went to see a naturopath. And uh, she put me on a cleanse, uh, basically a broth-based diet for about three weeks, maybe a little bit longer. And uh, by the process of elimination and then adding things back into my diet slowly but surely, we settled on uh, pescatarianism as my my favorite uh, eating style that my body prefers. Now, whenever you decided that you needed to change it because you were having, you know, some issues, whenever that happens, you know, we have so many friends and people that we know who have had to change their diet, maybe an allergy that has developed later in life or an intolerance that they realize they've had their entire life. What's it like to go, okay, now... Did you feel like you were giving things up, or did you feel like you were going to get more out of it in the long run? Uh, the latter. I felt like if I could just be at my best in terms of the way that I felt, the way that you know, the amount of energy that I had, and not just feeling sick all the time, that any sacrifice that I was making, you know, be it uh, fried chicken or pork chops or uh, you know uh, anything else that I had been eating regularly. Uh, was worth giving up in order to feel better. It was, it was, it was not as easy as some people make it seem, um, but it was worth it in the end. And I can see, you know, I think it's really easy for people who maybe it has been their whole life to say, oh, yes, 
Uh, I, I was talking to someone just recently, and they were saying that they had a family member who I think was one of the guys here in the station who was allergic to chocolate. And I thought, oh, my goodness, to give up chocolate. And he goes, but honestly, he's never had a good response when he's had chocolate. So he doesn't enjoy it because of the negative experience. And so he doesn't feel like he's missing anything versus someone who maybe says, you know, I took it away. So I I would imagine it's easy for someone who says, oh, well, I'm not missing anything because I haven't had it in my life or never craved it or wanted it to be like, this is super easy. But in the long run, when we step back and we look at whatever changes we're making in our life, whether it's diet or exercise or, you know, other spirituality, whatever it is that we're changing in our life, there's a long term positive outcome that you're shooting for. So you're willing to invest in it. Absolutely. 100%. Now, how did you go from changing your lifestyle and, you know, focusing on being a pescatarian to being a posh pescatarian and <laughs> what is a posh pescatarian yeah so the so the posh pescatarian is the moniker that i go by for my show and my books and, and that sort of thing and it was actually a name given to me by my friends so i i i adopted it and, and it's a lot of fun the posh the posh lifestyle is really about focusing on your health mindfulness meal prepping all of the things that I consider to be part of the pescatarian lifestyle. So beyond just eating plants and a little bit of seafood, it's really about having your ultimate health. You know, I know a lot of pescatarians and vegans and vegetarians who aren't in the best of health because in addition to those salads and carrots, they're also, you know, noshing on bags of potato chips, Skittles, uh, cheese pizza. Regularly. <laughs> yes. I... And, you know, <laughs> and, um, you know, there's nothing wrong with those things on occasion in moderation, but it's really not a, a regular part of the lifestyle. It's really plant-based, whole foods, eating as locally as possible, um, and exploring food and, and your region. And um, that's where the travel part comes in. Absolutely. And I, I have to interrupt and say, I, you know, I laugh because I've had many a conversation with a niece or a nephew or, you know, a friend's teenager who said, oh, I'm vegetarian. And I say, no, you're a picky eater because you're you're not eating collard greens. You're eating cheese pizza. You're not eating yeah. okra. You're eating corn. You know, <laughs> there there's yeah. certain things that are picky eaters. And um, I, you know, I, I have to tell him, like, don't use the terms that people feel very passionately about to identify the fact that you just would rather eat Totino's cheese pizza rolls than than collard greens and, you know, whatever it is your mom is cooking. So, yeah. Yep. Well, yep. so you were saying that food is about exploring and that's kind of where this travel component came into. So, uh, uh, what did you do before you started doing TV and books? What made you go, hey, this is the direction I'm going to go with my life? Were you always in the, the industry? Um, always been in the entertainment industry. So uh, I worked at a major record company for several years, and, and my passion for cooking and producing actually developed there. Uh, started cooking down the road, got my own YouTube show, just like everybody else did back in the day. And uh, I got a knock on my door, or should I say a phone call from the folks at the cooking channel. And, uh, you know, I'm a pescatarian. It was something that they didn't have on their network. They mostly focused on other things. 
Um, and so I got a call from the general manager of the cooking channel that said, hey, we've been watching you. How about doing a demo for us? How and exciting was that? <laughs> uh, you know what? It was exciting, and it, and it immediately turned to holy crap kind of fear. <laughs> I can imagine. Um, You're like, oh, my God, these people are, like, totally legit, and now they're calling me. What am I going to do? Yeah. That's right. Um, but I got over that pretty quickly because I was really passionate about what I did, and I thought I could, you know, knock it out and, and do a really good demo. So I pulled my crew together. I got the recipe that I wanted to make that I thought would be simple, and I started developing a sort of longer format show at the time. So it was really cooking at a location, making something fantastic, and sharing it with people. So that demo was fun. We shot it in Laguna Beach. I made mango halibut ceviche, and I uh, invited guests who were at the beach and who were just sunbathing in to taste my food, and that was a lot of fun. That's um, awesome. Yeah, it was, it was super fun. Um, things did not work out with Cooking Channel for one reason or the other, and um, I, I had a good relationship with Michael at the time, and Michael was very encouraging, and I decided to develop the show on my own. I love that. I, I love... <laughs> That when when people say, hey, I feel so passionately in what I'm doing and I know that it's going to be successful, I'm all in. And it yes. sounds like that's what you did. That's what I did. And uh, it took me about a, a little more than a year to get a full slate of shows in production, scheduled and delivered. A season comprised of 13 episodes. Um, and so initially I had six. I, I found a distributor just based in France. They started pitching the show. I sold the six shows, and uh, the request was to continue with the show and, and, and produce seven more. And um, that was a lot of fun, one of the most challenging things I've ever done, but also one of the most exciting and rewarding. And now the show is on 15 countries, including the U.S. here on The Living Network. I mean, how exciting is it that... You know, this, I, I mean, I don't want to say this girl from California, but, you know, really <laughs> to know that, you know, you went out and you did it and we say, oh, okay, we, we have a regional show, we have a national show, we have a public access show. Oh my gosh, we have an international show and yeah. like it's in other languages. That's got to be so just, I can only imagine whenever you, you know, the, you're, your people who pitched it in France came back and said, you know, these are the countries that your show is going to air. Yeah, it was it's pretty cool. It still has current production on season two, but season one is still selling around the world. We just sold to Paris, Moscow, and Toronto, and uh, they're dubbing me in uh, Russian and uh, French, so very, very cool. Well, I'll be your uh, I'll be your uh, Cajun uh, local girl uh, voiceover if you need me to be. I'll, I'll translate okay. to, to Louisianian <laughs> so people can understand. Since you know, perfect no accent is what you have. We can certainly fix that for you and do the voiceover. <laughs> well, thank you, Amy. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, so when you taped the first season, where did y'all go? What did you do? What was your plan? Yeah. Um. So this, the show is it's a travel cooking adventure show. If you haven't seen it, it's, I go to a, a, to a new city, I take on a new adventure, I buy the wardrobe for that particular adventure, and then I do some shopping, and I basically make a meal made of local ingredients for my instructor. That's generally the, 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 the concept behind season one. So um, 
we we head out and you know what? I just forgot what your question was. I got uh, no, hey, about- <laughs> I, we got excited. So, you know, where did you go? What were some of the places oh. that you went out and saw and conquered? Yeah, we, we stayed pretty local season one. Uh, budget constraints, travel constraints, just uncertainty. So we didn't have a really big spend. Uh, some of the most exciting places that we went were Montreal. I went uh, dog sledding. Super uh, fun which was one of the best experiences I've ever had. Uh, we went a little further north, and we went uh, ice fishing in Canada as well. Mexico, we spent uh, about a week and a half in Mexico where I went scuba diving, snorkeling with sea lions, um, did a food tour of southern Baja, California, which is basically Cabo San Lucas, Los Cabos. And other than that, we traveled around the good old USA. We did uh, Los Angeles. Oh, gosh. It's escaping me now. But um, Well, with all these travels and all the places that you went, are there some things that you ate that you go, this is now part of my everyday repertoire? Are there things that you go, yeah, I never need to do that again? Well, you know, that's an interesting question because most in most cases, I was in control over what I ate. I went to a specific market and uh, got some assistance from a fishmonger, and they helped me make some choices. I think the the most unusual and fantastic things that I've tried are something called percebes or gooseneck barnacles while I was in Portugal. Um, and they are the funkiest things you've ever seen, but they are the most delicious thing I think I've ever tasted coming right out of the water. What's the flavor like or the texture? The texture is between a clam and it's, a, it's, it's, it's very much like a clam, the texture. Flavor is briny, almost like an oyster. I have never had one of those, so I will have to put that on my list. Perhaps a trip to Portugal is in my future. <laughs> well, if you, if they also grow on the West Coast, so there's a big sort of push uh, to make percebes or gooseneck barnacles a thing uh, in Oregon and Washington. So if you Google gooseneck barnacles, Oregon, you'll see them. Like I said, they're really weird looking. They almost look like a dinosaur toe. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> no, whenever... Yeah. When you were there, so say when you were in Portugal and you're traveling over there, how long do you get to stay in one location and do you get to experience it beyond the actual taping or are you like on the road, you go and then you pack up and leave? Yeah, that all depends. So for New Orleans, for example, we wanted to do two shows. I knew that I wanted to do sort of my traditional show where I go and I do something fun. Um, And the other thing was wanting to do a food tour since New Orleans is such a food city. Uh, so I knew that I needed at least five days uh, to shoot two episodes and, and bearing, you know, everything went well. Um, I can typically do that. I mean, we got a lot of rain my last couple of days in New Orleans, but we were able to to, uh, to, to work it out so that it, that it worked. Otherwise, I would have had to extend my stay just to, to make sure that we got enough footage to, to take two shows. Well, Portugal, it- we were there two weeks. Okay. And, and we take four weeks, and then the other week, I uh, hubby came down, and we uh, vacationed. Well, and everyone needs one of those once in a while. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, absolutely. let our listeners know what you did while you were in New Orleans, because five days, is it's really good. Now, I say you have to eat every three hours, and remember that it's a marathon, not a sprint, so you have to pace yourself. But five days, you should be able to really capture 
you know, a lot of culture that is New Orleans. So on your five-day tour, what did y'all do? Gosh, uh, I'm embarrassed to say that half the places I don't remember their names have got them written down thanks to Octavio and you for t uh, taking to me, me to all these really fun places. But I got a chance to cook with locals, and you were one of those locals. And I got to see sort of what that process is, uh, ingredients that you use, what similar uh, kinds of things that we use in California when we call ourselves making uh, Creole and Cajun food. So that was a lot of fun. I must have eaten at about 15 different restaurants tasted lots of really fantastic food, drank lots of really cool things, and uh, got a chance to, to meet and greet some local chefs up close and personal, cooking lessons, learning about some of the uh, some of the sustainable seafood efforts that are happening in the city, visiting local markets with, uh, you know, local fishermen and, 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 and those folks. It was, it was just really, really fun. I feel like we're, and I say this, I've, almost every episode of the show. And I say, oh my gosh, we are so spoiled here. The wow. access that we have to seafood and how much that seafood affects our daily life and the families and the people. And it, it's kind of part of who we are here in South Louisiana. And when I go places like Dallas and I realize that, you know, there are places where there there is not water and they don't have access to this and you have to ship it in or find it and source it. And for us to be able to just, you know, take a quick trip to the West Bank and it's all there for us. It, it, yeah. Is that how it is in California where you live? Do you have incredible access to it or and is it different than what you saw when you were at the markets here? Yeah, it's, it's, it's different. Um, so we have lots of access, but nothing as... Uh, permanent is what you all have there. The Weibo, what's that called? West, West Wego Market. Mm -hmm. West Wego Market was incredible. And we, our, our version of that is a farmer's market that happens maybe every day in a different part of the city where local fishermen come out and sell their wares. Um, but there's no, there's nothing that compares to what I was able to experience while in New Orleans. I mean, it's really, I was really sad to go. Well, be careful. I, like I, I tell most people, if it's your third visit, I got a guy, you're probably looking for a realtor. <laughs> New Orleans will do that to you. You kind of get sucked in and then you go, hmm, I think I need to live here. Yeah. <laughs> Until really August when it yeah. gets too hot. <laughs> oh, man. I think it'd be worth it. Well, so what's your next step? So you're doing the show. Uh, where are you going from here? That's a great question. What we have lined up already is a fishing expedition in San Diego. I'm going to catch big tuna. If I'm lucky, if not, we're going to go for mahi-mahi. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, we're going to do a food tour of San Francisco, which is another big food city. Uh, we are pitching Iceland. Ooh. Uh, we are pitching Paris. Uh, and we've got something going on in the Middle East that's developing. So we'll see about that. That's awesome. Now, are you working on another book, or are you focused strictly on TV, or any lines of nope. products? <laughs> oh, I'm doing it all, uh, starting with a book. I recently got a literary agent who is helping me with my book. We are in the final stages of putting the proposal together. She's reviewing it as we as we chat, and we're going out to, to pitch publishers. So my first book, I, it was self-published. It's a lot of fun. I learned a lot about it. Uh, but the one thing that I realized was that I needed help. And uh, finding an agent was, was a godsend. 
Now, your first book, is it focused on all seafood or was it before you changed your life? Oh, no. It's, it's all seafood. It's all plant-based diet. It's really a, a collection of my favorite sustainable seafood recipes in addition to some side dishes. So you'll find a lot of my favorite stuff in there from fish tacos to, um, you know, lettuce wraps to hot water cornbread and some really fun uh, plant-based desserts. Wow. Plant-based dessert. I love a book that has dessert in general. So yeah. I, could, I, can, I, can, I, can, I can jump on board with that. If we were to, I mean, as much as you're traveling and how you're all over the place, if we were to come to your house and open your refrigerator, what are we going to find in it? You're going to find a bunch of random stuff from the local Asian market, uh, from one of my local places called Nina's British Indian Grocery Market. I just did a big old grocery haul there yesterday and got a bunch of spices. I made these really fantastic crab samosas uh, based on the stuff that I got from Nina's. You're going to find capers, some lemons, lots of half and half, a couple bottles of wine, uh, a bottle of champagne chilling just in case, probably some brown rice and a bunch of fruit. That sounds like a pretty well-stocked fridge. I, mine's got mustard yeah. and pickles. <laughs> yeah, you told me that. It's like a condiment um, cabinet, but there's nothing wrong with that. My husband looks at me and he goes, baby, we have nothing to eat. I'm like, there's tons of stuff. That's ingredients. That's not real food. <laughs> so. You know, do you find, just to ask you a question, because you cook professionally, do you find that by the time you come home, like cooking is not really the first thing on your mind? I would say that if I come home from work after a busy day, cooking is not the first thing on my mind. I am yeah. probably one of the few cooks out there that does it for a living and then says that is also still how I unwind and chill out. So if yeah. it's a Sunday afternoon and I'm off or a Monday and I'm off, I am going to cook all day, but usually I'm canning, preserving, or I'm cooking enough food that my husband can eat all week and not have to yeah. eat out of a takeout container. Uh, but I think, you know, you get mixed reviews. I think we're tired when we get home and people say, oh, we're so nervous to cook for people who cook for a living. And we say, no, no, I don't want to do it. So anything yeah. that someone else cooks for me is delicious. <laughs> That's well, awesome. Well, so I'm going to kind of, we have just a few more minutes. So I want you to tell our listeners where they can find out more about you, you know, your website and how they can watch the show. Yeah. So one of the easiest ways to find me is on social media and my blog. So I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. Um, I'm on YouTube. You'll find some old shows, uh, some old cooking lessons on YouTube, but you also find some snippets of my, of season one. You can also find me on my blog, poshpescatarian.com. I've got a lot of information about the pescatarian lifestyle, tips for folks who are trying to transition into the lifestyle. And, um, yeah, Google me. You'll find me. No, I have to ask you, you know, as you are watching how you've developed and how your show has developed, is it difficult to go back and look at those old shows on YouTube? Oh, <laughs> abs I mean, I got to a point where... I just, you know, I just unlisted all of those old shows because it's, they're cringeworthy sometimes when you look back and some of the shows are taped in standard definition, the quality's not that great, camera angles were bad. I mean, just all of those things that helped me get to where I am now, all of those mistakes are actually uh, 
on YouTube. <laughs> so yeah, it's it, even the first couple of shows of season one, where I'm just sort of getting comfortable with the format, um, are really hard to watch. I could, I, I mean, I have a hard time watching family movies, so I can yeah. only imagine something that you put out there. And ladies and gentlemen, the internet is forever, people. <laughs> no matter what you do, you, <laughs> it somebody finds it, right? <laughs> Yeah, they'll find it. Yep, yep, yep. Well, I like to ask a lot of my guests this question. And uh, if I were to win the Powerball, I, there may be nothing left because I ask so many people this question. But if I were to win the Powerball and say, hey, Stephanie, let's go on an adventure. Where and anywhere in the world, as long as we get to learn a little bit about food, where would we go? You know, it's, this is an interesting question because I've asked myself that and trying, trying to think of ideas for season two. I think I'd go to South Africa. And why would you do that? Uh, for two reasons. Cultural reasons, historical, well, three reasons. History, um, food, and its culture. Just some things I've been curious about for a really long time. I want to see for myself. Well, taste for myself. Well, it's a date, so one of us needs to win the Powerball, but... Uh, you got it. <laughs> you can't win if you don't buy the darn ticket, right? Right, so, right. That is true. Well, Stephanie, I really appreciate you taking the time uh, to join us today. I know you have a busy schedule, and uh, you're still recovering from your trip to New Orleans, but oh, for yeah. our listeners out there today, joining me on the show was Miss Stephanie Harris Uedi, and uh, we talked a little bit about the Posh Pescatarian. I would highly recommend you check out our website, poshpescatarian.com. She has a blog, a TV show. You might get to see a cameo of me on one of those episodes. <laughs> uh, so I encourage you to watch, um, and hopefully uh, my my TV, uh, I, me being on TV is not going to be cringeworthy. <laughs> we'll look back and go, hey, not so bad. But, um, yeah, Stephanie, I really appreciate you taking the time. For our listeners out there, you've been listening to WRBH Radio 88.3 FM. This is your host of New Orleans by Mouth, Chef Amy Sense. Until next time, ciao.